today on Srebrenica Stories, we are joined by Susan Stewart. Susan became the director of the Open University in Scotland and the Fulbright Commissioner following a career spanning across journalism, government and higher education. Susan Stewart has worked around the world, including in Washington, D.C., where she became the first to set up a Scottish office in the UK embassy there. Susan went to Bosnia-Herzegovina with Remembering Srebrenica Scotland in November 2018. Since travelling to Srebrenica, Susan has written a blog and talked at the Open University in Milton Keynes in Scotland and is part of the informal women's network of those who have been on Remembering Srebrenica Scotland delegations. Susan Stewart, welcome to the podcast and thank you for joining me today. My pleasure, Amy. Um, can we just start by you telling me a bit about your visit to Srebrenica, please? Yeah, so as you said, it was November 2018 and we actually flew out in the early hours of the 11th of November, which of course was um, 100 years since the First World War armistice. And you'll recall that that was a war which was meant to end all wars. So it was, I think, quite significant that we flew out on that day. And as people who have been delegates will know it is not the easiest of places to to get to. So three flights and several hours later, um, myself and the other members of the delegation, there were 10 of us, and we were all loosely connected to education. It was led by the very Reverend Dr Lorna Hood, who's the chair of Scotland Remembers Srebrenica. And that evening, Sunday evening, November the 11th, 2018, we found ourselves standing at the corner in Sarajevo, where Archduke Franz Ferdinand was assassinated, the event, of course, which precipitated uh, the First World War. So we took uh, the opportunity to have our own moment silence there and a, a prayer read, led by Lorna and an act of remembrance, which seemed a very fitting way to end our first day in Sarajevo. What do you remember most from your time in, in Bosnia? Wow, lots. I mean, it, it was an extraordinary experience. I think anyone who has ever been in one of those delegations would say that it was a life-changing experience. Mm. I knew a little bit about the war before I went, and I had read more and watched a couple of BBC documentaries, but I don't think that anything uh, properly prepares you from, from hearing firsthand from those women and men and and men who were children or adolescents at the time who had suffered so much and been subjected to such utter inhumanity and brutality. The other thing which, which I think I hadn't fully understood was just what a modern and cultured and integrated society uh, Bosnia was prior to the war and the massacre. And I think that underlined for me that if it could happen there, just 25 years ago, the massacre, it could happen anywhere and that we need to be eternally vigilant. Um, so it, it was quite shocking in many ways. I was also very conscious as we went to different places and, and met different people that those people were telling us of experiences which were really, really horrendous. And they were sharing that with us. And I did wonder what personal cost that must have because Scotland remembers 
Srebrenica alone takes two delegations out every year. Uh, and these people from Dr. Branka to Bakira uh, to, to everyone else, they give of their time freely and with such generosity, uh, despite the suffering that, that they endured. And what impact did the trip have on you? I think it, I think it probably reminded me of the precariousness of peace. Um, I mean, it was the UN Secretary General Kofi Annan who said that you know the world learns and acts on the lessons of Srebrenica, and I'm not sure that the world has learned uh, or, or acted upon, but it has made me more, I think more willing and able to listen and learn from people who I disagree with on you know on small issues of of politics or or whatever but to listen and learn from those who take a different perspective with an open heart as as much as an open mind and I, you know I don't always manage it uh, but I try and do it and I think the other thing is that you know, some of the people we we met, um, for example, um, our guide, Resad. So Resad doesn't work for the charity anymore, but he had been a 19-year-old soldier during the siege. Um, and his personal reminiscences were, were really quite ve- very telling, particularly the impact on the children of Sarajevo. But, you know, if I were to meet Resad in a, a coffee shop or, or walk past him in the, the street or any of the other people we met, there would be nothing that marked him out as having suffered the way he suffered. So I guess one of the one of the things I take from that is it's something we all know anyway, but perhaps need to remind ourselves of. You never ever know what someone else's experiences are or what they have endured. Um, and at a time in, in 2020, where I think, you know, all over the world and, and certainly in the UK and including Scotland, we must never be complacent. We're seeing a rise in, in racism, in anti-Semitism. I think that there are a, a lot of lessons to be learned from Sarajevo, not least the way in which if we define people as other we can then quite quickly begin to rob them of their humanity, which is what we all share. And I liked that phrase that you used, the the precarious of peace, was it? I'm just wondering, um, what is it you think that we're not learning? Where where do you think we're failing to remember what happened? Well, I I think it's... I think most people will agree that UN peacekeepers and the international community in general did not intervene as effectively or quickly as they should have done and that they were bystanders bystanders in some way. Um, And I... hmm, Let me have a think. What are we not learning? This is a very good question. <laughs> mm. I, I think one of the things 
or one of the lessons that I would take from from Srebrenica, and and I think that's particularly true at the moment when we're seeing a rise in in racism and neo-fascism and anti-Semitism, is that we need to be brave enough to talk about differences. We need to be brave enough to talk with others about issues which divide us. And those of us with privilege, so for example, in, in relation to racism, I am the beneficiary of white privilege, whether or not I want to be, whether or not I strive to be actively anti-racist and inclusive, I nevertheless am the beneficiary of that. And that involves having some difficult conversations, I think. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 it does. Yeah. yeah. Can I say okay. something about Bakira? Oh, you please. Can maybe we you could maybe weave this in at the beginning. So uh, as well as reading um, about Bosnia and, and watching documentaries, but before I actually went out on the delegation, I was very privileged with, with some others to be invited to a graduation lunch at Caledonian University. Mm-hmm. And that was a graduation where Bakira, um, one of the women who, well, the women who um, did uh, an enormous amount of work as a human rights activist, um, she and her 15-year-old daughter, 18-year-old daughter, rather, were repeatedly raped by 15 militia in her own home. And um, what Bakira did was, was set up um, the Women Victims of War Association. One of the outcomes of that is that sexual violence is now recognised as a war crime and Bakira was an extraordinarily extraordinarily determined woman who continues working with the survivors of rape and it's estimated between 20,000 to 50,000 girls and women were raped during that war to ensure that justice is served and the men that committed those crimes are prosecuted for them and are now known and recognised as war crimes. And I think um it's really, it's as I've been doing interviews, I've found that this is something that people find really hard to talk about. So I'm just mm. thinking back to your point about having difficult conversations um, and how gendered this massacre was. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, you know, it was over eight, over 8,000 boys and men, Muslim men and boys, were were massacred 25 years ago. Similarly, or not similarly, but at the same time, between 20 and 50,000 girls and women uh, were the victims of rape and other forms of sexual violence. And yet, from, from what I saw as you know, part of the delegation when I went out and not in any way to denigrate the enormous amount of work that, that lots of men uh, are doing in Bosnia or indeed as part of Scotland remembers Srebrenica. But it did seem to me that it was women who were in the vanguard of healing that society, whether women like Bakira or women like Dr. Branka, who, who works uh, with women uh, in her centre, Strength of a Woman, um, women seem to me to be at the forefront of healing and unifying a fractured society. Having said that, one of the more, uh, I guess, slightly depressing aspects of the trip was that we <coughs> had a meeting with the UK ambassador. Um, 
and he was telling us of some of the ways in which the society is still very, very fractured, very divided, separate schools, etc. And that very worryingly outward emigration uh, is predominantly young, educated professionals with children. And that is very worrying for any society. They're, they're the future for Bosnia and it would appear that they're voting with their feet and leaving. It's it's a hard thing to understand, isn't it, of another country? Yeah, and a, and a country that's not so different from ours, yeah. you know, a, a rich, culturally rich, educationally rich, multicultural capital city, uh, like many other European capital cities that I visited that we've all had links with. Um, that, I think, was what I hadn't realised, and I think it was a particular Resad who our guide was explaining that prior to the war, that the groups all lived together as neighbours and friends and colleagues, and in many cases family members. Um, his, his best friend uh, was one, mm. and I think the other. I mean, every every person we spoke to. And every project we visited was a source of much greater understanding and, and often very, very shocking. But we had also went to the War Childhood Museum, which had, had recently opened. And it, I mean, it was beautifully done, um, beautifully done exhibition. But it really did bring it home to you how much children suffered during that war. And I know that when I've been to other European cities, uh, I remember being in the um, Jewish Museum in Prague once, and it was during the Easter holidays, so there were quite a lot of school parties visiting. Uh, and one part of that museum is dedicated to the children who suffered in the Holocaust. And it, it was very apparent that school children who had been, you know, being kids, being quite lively and quite noisy, just went completely silent at that part of the museum. Uh, obviously, we were all adults on my delegation, but I did think for those school parties who go over, that the Childhood War Museum in particular is probably, uh, I think the teacher would say, a, a great learning opportunity. And I think that you know, all the people who come over from Srebrenica to do school talks. Um, I think that is very, very important, as well as the teachers in Scottish schools who have developed uh, Srebrenica resource park, uh, parks for talking to children about these issues in a sensitive and age-appropriate way. And what did you learn about yourself from this trip? What did I learn about myself? I think I think one of the things I learned about myself, which which I kind of knew already, but it made me think about it in a different way, was that I can be too quick to judge and not good enough at trying to understand. Uh, and I try and watch that every day because we do not know what other people have experienced. Um, I think I also learned that people have an enormous capacity 
for survival and generosity, despite having been having experienced such terrible brutality, they give of their time to educate others from throughout the world who who want to learn about what happened and and, and how we can make sure that it doesn't happen again. Our delegation was a a group of 10 people loosely, loosely connected because we all were related to education. Some people knew each other, but most of us didn't know many of the delegation and, and we very, very quickly bonded. Uh, and I think that's because of the the emotional cost um, of, of hearing what we heard. Um, so, you know, everyone at, at some point, usually at different points, was in tears and needed some quiet time. And very quickly, the group dynamic was one of mutual support and understanding from people who, until they showed up at Glasgow Airport, I think it was four o'clock in the morning or something on Sunday, didn't know each other. Uh, Yeah, and I think because when you go and you're going on this delegation and you know you're going to learn about something really horrific, Mm -hmm. it's hard to imagine that you'll come away feeling hopeful for people. Yeah. Um. And I'm just wondering where that comes from. It's from the people, isn't it, at the yeah. core? Yeah, particularly in, in, in my view, it, it comes particularly from the women um, who are central to rebuilding a fractured society and give of their time, share their pain with such generosity of spirit. And I find that astonishing that that people can not only survive such barbarism, but then go on and help others and do good. People like Dr. Branker, people like Bakira, people like Resad, uh, Hassan Hassanovic. He was one of the men we met. He was 18 when the massacre happened and, and he lost his, his twin brother, his father and an uncle in, in one day. I mean, can you imagine the pain of that? And yet he's someone who has come over to Scotland frequently and and did extensive speaking engagements and, and works um, works at the Srebrenica Memorial Centre um, as well. I think the work that Lorna does generally uh, for the organisation is, is just absolutely fantastic. And I think everyone um, who has been on the delegations, not only Lorna, uh, David Hamilton and the others on the committee too, I think we all feel that we owe a, a, a debt of gratitude to them. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you, Amy. All the best with it. Mm-hmm.